here we are for the continuation of the Krishna Sandarbha, picking up where Srimad Dulal Chandra Prabhu left off. And I have to say, it's a pretty daunting task because the Sandarbhas, as we know, are very challenging material, very dense, and very technical at times. Um, Jeeva Goswami's um, his thoroughness is just something that boggles my mind every time I look at his material. I'm just like, where does he even come up with this stuff? I have no idea. It's just amazing, just the volume of information and number of angles he can approach his topic with. Uh, that said, we'll try to do some justice to Jiva Goswami. Um, I'm not going to do like Dulal was doing slides and whatnot. I'm, that's not really my style, um, so sorry. <laughs> um, and I'm also, I'm, my approach to this is going to be more of a slightly zoomed out view. I'm not gonna go into the fine details of all the arguments because if, uh, if we're that interested, if someone's that interested in it, then they might as well just read the book itself, in my opinion, so. What I will do is, of course, go over the the um, the core concepts uh, from each section that we're going to be discussing, and then um, any thoughts that kind of pop into my head. So today we are talking about where are we are we are in uh, Anucheda seventy four point four. And if this is a bit of a review, I think that'll be fine. Um, so this particular section is about abhyas or repetition as a criterion of shadlinga. And of course, maybe a, a little bit of review uh, for those who have been following Dulal's classes, maybe a bit of review might be in order. I know uh, I had to familiarize myself with these concepts. So shadlinga is a reference to a concept that uh, Jiva Goswami has established in the Paramatma Sandarbha. And it basically means it's, it's a six-fold criterion for establishing or to, for, for a methodology for going about a text analysis. And then starting in Anucheta 74, he went over what he calls, what is called Shat Praman, so a six-fold method of establishing the same thing. And he, in doing that, he quotes, let's see, get my notes here. He quotes the Jaimini Sutra, and which states that when a direct statement Shruti, inferential mark, word, or meaning, linga, sentence or syntactical connection, vakya, context or interdependence, prakarana, position or order of words, sthana, and name, samakya, are present simultaneously. Each member is progressively weaker in interpretive force because of increasing remoteness pardon, from the meaning. So Shruti being the strongest, if you have a Shruti reference, then that will be, it'll be the, the most 
compelling evidence. And then each one of these, the further they get from Shruti, the less force they have. But taken all together, they they can um, they can enhance that force. So, of course, the section that Jivagosami is, uh, section we're dealing with here in the first part of the, the Sandarbha is establishing Sri Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan. The, the, um, this is where we're, we find ourselves here in the, uh, the, the heart of, of the discussion of the Paribhasa Sutra of the Bhagavatam Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam. And so Jiva Goswami in his usual style is going about establishing Krishna as such from the Shastra in an in, in exhaustive way, just um, like I mentioned from many different angles, from basically every possible way you could interpret the text. Um, and so the the shat pramana, the, the the shruti would be, he he considers Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam a shruti reference, um, not in the sense that it's an Upanishadic reference, but in the sense that it's a direct statement, and that all these other statements, there are, there are many 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 other statements that support it. So. Um, but in um, and then and then he uses the the analogy of that 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 Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam is a is the emperor statement, and it's surrounded by a fourfold army, which um, is a very in interesting analogy to use. And um, in the commentary, Satyanaraya Das. Um, summarizes that and we'll, we'll go over that in a bit but the section that we're dealing with today 74.4 um it's uh it centers around one particular criterion from the Shatlinga established in the Paramatma Sandarbha. So, and that is abhyas or repetition. And the principle being that what the whatever a text repeats is what the text is about, which kind of stands to reason. Um, you know, I mean. Uh, Jiva says, moreover, in this book containing 18,000 verses, the Bhagavatam, of course, we find a great deal of repetition of Yas, of Sri Krishna's name, particularly in the following sections. And then he goes through uh, kind of a broad survey of the, the going through the cantos, um, quoting verses from in several places. And it's just another way of Sri Jiva establishing that Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavatam, and Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. Um, of particular note, I thought one that he quoted was from the eighth canto. <clears throat> he says, in the eighth canto, in regard to the slaying of Kalanemi, 
which is like the sowing of the seed of the exquisite glory of Krishna, as it is the preliminary step in the narration of Krishna's unique glory. This is due to the fact that Kalanemi was unable to attain liberation. Sorry about that. People calling me from Carolina. Uh, this is due to the fact that Kalanemi was unable to attain liberation despite being killed even by Srimad Ajita himself. But when he was reborn as Kangsa, he was then liberated by him. So this is obviously, a, of course, a reference to um, a Puranic story, a story told in, in the Bhagavad Purana about Kalanemi, he's a demon, and he's killed by a form of Vishnu, but he didn't attain liberation. And as we know from other stories, um, and I don't have a reference for it, but only when Krishna kills somebody do they attain liberation. So um, there are a number of instances of this in the Bhagavatam, like uh, Agasura, for example, in Braj, when he was, when Krishna killed him, his soul exited his body and then kind of hovered there waiting for Krishna to come out of his, out of his body and then he entered into Krishna's body. Um, so the demons are liberated only when they're killed by Swayam Bhagavan. So that's a pretty uh, compelling piece of evidence that that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan because so if Kalanemi, if if any, if Ajita was Swayam Bhagavan, then Kalanemi would have been liberated when he was killed by him, but that didn't happen. And, you know, Jiva Goswami, of course, he gives many quotations, some of which I find to, to be less compelling than others, but nevertheless, they are taken as a whole. It forms a, a, a strong body of evidence. And he says that uh, finally, in the brief summary of the Srimad Bhagavat provided at the end of the book, that's the 12th canto, there's a, a number of verses there that Sutta Goswami kind of summarizes the book. Uh, in that section, the name of Krishna has been sung far more extensively than that of anyone else. So it's just yet another instance of that this book is about Krishna. It's not about anybody else. Um, and so Jiva Goswami mentions this principle. Whatever topic is repeated in a book is considered to be its primary subject. This conclusion has been supported even by others in their explanation of the sutra Anandamayobhyasat. That's the one where it says Brahman is full of bliss because it, this has been affirmed repeatedly in the Shrutis. And that uh, that that um, abhyas in that commentary, the commentary he's talking about there is Shankaracharya. So if someone as revered as Shankaracharya says it, then we'll, okay, we'll consider that pretty seriously. Um, so, uh, in, the, in the commentary here, um, it's kind of interesting how he summarizes this and it's useful. 
Um, so as I said, Jiva Goswami kind of gives a survey of all 12 cantos and then he gives evidences from them just to show that this is the repeated theme that comes up throughout this 18,000 verse book. And then in Anucheta 56, he mentions that almost half the book is directly about Krishna. That's a lot. <laughs> That's 9,000 references, or if you want to look at it quite kind of like that. Um, that's a lot. And so he mentions also that uh, hmm. so there's these two set of two sets of, of indicators, as I mentioned, the Shat Pramana and the Shat Linga. Um, these are these are uh, terms taken from the Mimangsa school. So it's, it's um, terms that most of us as Gaudias would not be familiar with because that's not our field of study. Um, and one thing that was common in the Indian intellectual tradition was that one would be um, writing a say writing a text on a particular subject and making references to other uh other darshans uh of fields of study um in in indian in the indian indian subcontinent and one would just the author would assume that one that the that the reader had knowledge of these so that can make it a little bit tricky for us to read some of these things and understand what's going on and where where these concepts are coming from if you don't know the other darshans. And that's one of the things I find valuable about reading um, Satyanarayan Das Babaji's books is because he does bring in or he does explain where these things are coming from for the benefit of those of us who are not educated in the other darshans where our focus of course is bhakti but and so was Sri Jiva's but Sri Jiva studying having studied at Varanasi he was well educated in all of the darshans and used all of that knowledge to uh, establish his his um, whatever case he's whatever argument he was trying to establish in as you can see, it's very valuable in um, in the context where people were educated in those other darshans. They would be able to take the arguments from the bhakti school of Sri Chaitanya seriously because they're invoking pramanas, ways of knowledge, ways of textual analysis that these people would already have accepted. And so it would be harder to dismiss them. Whereas, um, well, I know in... Um, Uh, well, from my own experience, uh, before I knew anything about the devotees years and years ago, uh, all I knew about them was that they were just those weird people who jumped up and down in the streets with shaved heads wearing bedsheets. And, and consequently, I didn't think that there was any philosophy involved there. And so I was like, whatever, why should I take them seriously? They're just a bunch of weirdos. Now, I have since found out that I was wrong in that assessment, thankfully. Um, but even then, uh, 
probably most the vast majority of godias these days would be you'd be uh they'd be familiar with basic well not basic but um you know they'd be familiar with the books relevant to godia vaishnavism and usually not much else which fair enough because there's so many books in the godia canon <laughs> that uh you have to be a pretty serious scholar to be able to understand and digest all of that and then branch out from there. Uh, so, um, and this is also probably why most devotees are, Sandarbhas are not going to be a field of study for most devotees because they're just too detailed. Most people don't have the level of interest or intellectual acumen to study them. I know. I mean, I find them dense but anyway rambling a bit there uh so these ways of knowing these different shatraman shatlinga it's um i think it's useful to know about them that they exist um i don't know how useful they would be in our bhajan per se but to know that jiva goswami was someone who had this knowledge and he could analyze a text based on these things and then put it in put it in a treatise like the like the Sandarbhas. That's um, I guess it's useful. I, I kind of vacillate a little bit between well, is this really useful or you know it's fascinating in one sense, just the the depth and the and the, the level of detail and again i think a lot of it comes about um so shri jiva being one of the foundational acharyas of the sampradaya establishing the sampradaya um i think of the sandarvas kind of along the lines of like the uh, hari bhakti vilas by that was compiled by sanatana goswami like there's so many rules and whatnot and details in the Hari Bhakti Vilas that we don't necessarily follow, but they're there and they were they were put there so that in, in the establishing of the Sampradaya, others outside the Sampradaya could see that, okay, these guys are serious. They've got they've got Shastra to back up what they're talking about and their practices. And so I think that the the um Sandarbhas are along the same lines that Jiva Goswami was just using using the principle of I think it's referred to in the Shastra as pounding the post to just repeatedly making the same points from different angles slightly different angles such that eventually you just you can't it makes it hard to refute when it's just so much um, like yeah, you could probably have made the point that that Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam is referring to Krishna with just a couple of references rather than, you know, the first part of a pretty lengthy book. <laughs> but in the interest of thoroughness and establishing that the Godias are also quite knowledgeable in the Shastra, he took the time to do the intellectual exercise for our benefit. Um, so uh it's like i said it's interesting as a matter of uh sort of as a matter of curiosity and and for those of us who have a much uh more keen intellectual appetite then this stuff will be you know they'll, they'll probably 
dive into the book like this and um, be quite happy with all of the intricate details of the arguments. I think for 99% of voters, this, um, this kind of stuff would be a little bit, a little bit too, a little bit heady. You would just be sort of like, all right, I got the point and can we move on? Um, and for that reason, I don't think it's necessary that I'm going to, like I said earlier, go through all the details of all of the arguments. Anyhow, so back to the summary of, so the, the four, four armies, the fourfold army uh, surrounding the emperor of the Krishna's to Bhagavan statement. Um, So the first division of that army would be statements that describe Krishna as the source of the Leela avatars, the Guna avatars, and Pusha avatars. That's a big section. And I mean, that, so again, that alone, that's, that's only one, 25% of the army. And that alone could, I would think, would be enough to convince most people, but no. Uh, then he goes on in the second division that shows that the sole intention of all the principal speakers and students of the Bhagavatam was to hear and speak specifically about Krishna, not about anybody else. So that's, that's a pretty big one. And then the third division establishes Krishna as the subject of the Bhagavatam on the basis of the six kinds of evidence taken from the Mimamsa school of hermeneutics. So that's what we, I've already been over that. And the final division validates the same conclusion through the principle of abhyas, repetition. So, um, which I've already talked about a bit. And, and this, uh, in the interest of, well, I had some more broad thoughts or when I first was going through this uh, section, the first thing that I thought of regarding abhyas was this is a, a principle that we're all familiar with from other texts. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll talk a little bit about where that, that principle um, is mentioned in other places. So, um, probably one of the more well-known ones to us would be from the Gita, where Krishna says, Abhyasena tu konteya vairagyena chagrihyate. So, it's a reference where that discussion where uh, Arjun, uh, well, Krishna has given a, this is in the sixth chapter of the Gita, where Krishna has said that you should control your mind, Arjun, be a yogi. And Arjun says, well, that's not too easy to do. It's like trying to control the wind and all. And then Krishna says, yeah, you're right. But however, to, through abhyas, repetition, repeated practice and detachment, it can be done. We find also the same or a very similar formulation in the Yoga Sutra, the 12th Sutra of the first book, first pada, the, the Samadhi pada. And uh, Patanjali says, Abhyasa Bhairagyabhyam Tandirodha. So the means of nirodha, restraining the chitta vrittis, the waves of the mind, is through practice and detachment again these same these two these two principles 
And then, of course, from the Bhagavad itself, Nityam Bhagavata Seva, the book itself tells us that we should hear it repeatedly. And by doing so, these effects will come about of um, Tadara Jastamo Bhava, Kamalobha Dayashchaye, that the, the Rajas, Thomas and Rajas will be purged from the Chitta and that the uh, will, our intellect will, will be uh, established in sattva. And from there, we can then um, go deeper into transcendence, uh, unhampered by the restraining or the, uh, what should we call them, the the weight, the weight uh, being without being dragged down by the influences of the lower modes, which prevent us from understanding what the Shastra is talking about, prevent us from practicing. Um, so this this principle of uh, repetition, I mean, we find that in all spheres of life. Um, in my last series on habit formation, I mentioned this also. There's a um, Tony Robbins, one of my favorites, uh, modern coaches and teachers, uh, he likes to say that repetition is the mother of skill. So that would, whatever we repeat, we become. And so by repeatedly hearing the Bhagavat, we become a Bhagavat ourselves, which is a pretty, um, What's the word? Uh, a hopeful thought, <laughs> pretty inspiring thought. By repeatedly hearing the Bhagavat, we will become a Bhagavat, a person who's absorbed in the Bhagavat, and ultimately a person with within whose heart the Bhagavat resides. So that's a uh, a prospect to look forward to from the repetition of hearing the Bhagavatam, and then. So I realize that that's a slightly different context, it's a different usage of the term in repetition or abhyas than Jivaswami is using it here. He's using it in the sense of a textual analysis, but I thought it was uh, interesting to talk about it a little bit in those terms. So that's as far as I wanted to go is uh, with regard to the, um, the Sandarva, because because this material is so dense, there's only a couple of ways you can go about it. Either you can just go through it, basically page by page, uh, section by section, or you can kind of zoom out a little bit. So I didn't I didn't want to go into a huge amount of detail. I figured that would be enough detail for one um, one session. Um, so, the next section is representative statements of the Bhagavats, Padibhasha. So, which where in Jiva starts to, uh, he mentions Krishna is Hari himself. And so he's continually making his case. And so this first part of the Sandarbhas is that is that of the Krishna Sandarbha is establishing that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan. And then 
once we get through that material, he switches over into what does it mean to be Swayam Bhagavan? So we got some really interesting uh, material coming up in this Sandarbha, which um, Gurmaraj has mentioned to me is his favorite. He said it's the sweetest of all of them. Um, so even though he said to me one time that the Paramatma Sandarbha was the one that kind of uh, blew his mind the most, I guess you could say. Um, he said the Christian Sandarbha is the sweetest, which stands to reason since it's about the sweetest form of Bhagavan. <laughs> uh, Bhagavan who has qualities that no one else has, Lila Madhurya, Rupa Madhurya, etc. So um i think that's pretty much all for now so if anybody's got any questions i will do my best to entertain them uh, considering the subject matter i'm not sure how well i'll do about it uh anybody, any questions or comments that you want to throw out there uh other discussions points for discussion i that's those are welcome at this time Hare krishna Sir. Uh, 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 I have one comment, but it's a little bit material, materialistic, so I'm not sure. <laughs> but we'll find a way uh, to relate it. So, so nowadays there is this uh, artificial intelligence and stuff going on, mm -hmm. and, and there are those like self-learning algorithms that they repeat again and again to get to some point. So this all. Mimamsa reminds me a little bit of this, like the this principle of intelligence or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, the difference being, of course, so you know, the human brain is far, far slower than a computer. Uh, machine learning is millions of times faster in terms of its linear calculation speed. It's not as fast in a parallel type, but um, yeah, machines can learn really fast and they can do calculations, many, many iterations to the point where they can um, learn very quickly. But yeah, uh, that repetition of calculation gives them an advantage that it would take humans hundreds or thousands of years to come up with <laughs> if they were calculating. The, uh, well, that, that's why we see things happening now in the world that have never happened before because the computational speed just wasn't there you know like so many different things in the digital world uh so many things that uh like data analysis that humans have been able to do on a scale that they could never do before because it was just impossible to calculate it so there's the uses there's uses for that kind of repetition it has its has its uses obviously but on the whole, I don't think technology has done humanity a, a whole lot of favors. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword to be sure. Um, anyone else have any comments or questions? Um, it's just a general question, um, Hare, Hare Krishna. Hare um, Bol. <laughs> I'm always interested in <laughs> scripture that says 
use this scripture to go beyond scripture. So, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> These kind of <laughs> um, kind of interesting uh, opposites. But I was just wondering, what do you think with this with this Shruti? With what, you know, what do you think with the Krishna Sundar? But does it have that? You know, um, especially when it talks about being Krishna. You know, the nature of Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan. Mm. Um, well, I think in that... general, I think but the way. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just saying. Is there anything in in that in in this in this scripture which, which you're talking about, which says that? I know that it does. Oh, I haven't and... come across it yet. I haven't. I haven't seen Jiva Goswami make that point yet. I think. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, it may be there. But I think in general, it's good to kind of take to keep the the uh, approach of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in mind. Uh, he mentions in the Jaira Dharma and a number of places that we're using language, which is a product of time and space to talk about something that exists outside of time and space. And so, yeah. you know, you got to kind of, he, he used the word nidarshana, which means an indicator. So the finger pointing at the moon is not the point, right? It's just an indicator. It's meant to direct us to, oh, oh, that, okay. Um, so, I mean, we can, and, and the Shastra itself says in lots of places that by studying the Shastra alone, you won't realize Bhagavan, right? It's, it really, it comes about through chanting. That's why what we're practicing is called Nam Dharma, not Shastra Dharma, <laughs> right? So, yes, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I was I just wondering if there's anything which, you know, as, as you were saying about the intellect coming to a state of sattva, you know, mm -hmm. it's a kind of a stepping stone, isn't it, really, to that? Yeah, I don't know if Jiva Goswami deals with that in this Sandarbha. Uh, again, I haven't read the whole thing yet, because it's pretty big, but um, yeah, that principle is there in the Bhagavad itself, you know, as uh, B.R. Sridhar Maharaj would talk about the Bhagavatam as giving the intellect a good bashing. So... Well, the, while the Bhagavad itself said, study the book closely with your intellect in the interest of rising above the intellect itself to the soul. That's kind of the point, right? It's like engage your intellect, engage all of your functions, your senses, your, your chitta, your mind, your intellect, you know, ahankar, buddhi, engage all these things in bhakti so that bhakti can lift us above them, kind of, is the idea. Yes. Um, the means, yes. The yeah, means. That's it's a means to an end. It's not an end in its yeah. Studying the Shastra is not an end in itself. Studying the Shastra mm. is about going beyond the Shastra. Like you said, it's you know, like I mean, Guru Maharaj just said things like we want to live in the pages of the Bhagavad, but not in the intellect, you know, we want to live in the Leela. So the descriptions of yes. the Leela are there for us to be able to enter into them. But then once we enter into them, we're not, you know, then, then the book becomes, um, it's a useful tool to talk about it in, in the material world, because it's what else do we have besides language to talk about it? <laughs> yes. At the same Thank time, you. we recognize that it's limited, it's very limited. Thank you. <laughs> you are. Haribo. 
Um, anybody else have anything you want to throw out there? I'll take that as a no. And uh, yeah, so uh, Mondays are going to be my day for the Sundarbas for as long as we have Sundarbas. So that's quite a while, uh, just so you know. Um, and if they're, well, I'm planning to move to North Carolina in this fall. So I would imagine there'd be some gaps at some point. But for the most part, far as I can tell, uh, it will be here, same time, same channel. And as I mentioned, uh, certain, I think, uh, when I spoke with Padmanabha Maharaj about this, he said, you don't really need to, uh, he, he said, you can do it more of an overview style. So I think that's probably what we'll do. Otherwise, we'll be going through the Sundarbas for the next 10,000 years, which wouldn't be a bad thing, but, you know, um, it would be good to uh, get it, get the general gist of the text. So that's all we got for today. Thank you for for coming and uh, indulging my my decidedly unscarlily presentation. <laughs> uh, and I. Hope to discuss this more with you next week. Panchakalpa Turvyascha, Kripa Sintubia Evacha, Patitanam, Pavinibio Vaishnavibio, Namo Namaha. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hari, 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 Hari.